Blog Talk Radio.
thank you for your uh, interesting sponsors, uh, your support. I want to say how much I appreciate each and every one. And thank joy every day. It's on the radio. Just hearing, hearing, just hearing the word. The word has been so Ever since I first gave my life, I enjoy hearing it. I enjoy sharing and preaching on the word. You tuning in with us, great God. Well, today we're going to go back into the Book of Revelation and tribulation period. Hallelujah. There's coming up there. Once the church is raptured out, uh, learned in all of it, this course in Matthew chapter 4, learned about all the things that were to happen uh, during tribulation period. Daniel gets into some of it. Uh, the book of Revelation really into the tribulation period. Well, after verses the second thing of Jesus talked on the signs to show that we but the day nor hour a minute as I will always say we do not know Jesus will return we know that he will and we know that we need to be prepared for when he comes we talked about the um we talked about the judgment, the BC judgment. We talked about the rewards that God had for us. We talked about marriage and marriage of the Lamb. And then on yesterday, we got into how uh, John was on the Isle of Patmos. Uh, he was being punished for preaching and teaching the Word of God, so they didn't him to share uh, anything about Jesus Christ. And so they imprisoned him, they banished him, they punished him on the Isle of Patmos so he would not be able to come into contact with everyone. We talked about a little bit about the seven churches of Jesus told him to write uh, the, the church of uh, Smyrna, Thyatira, all these different churches we will be getting into. We discussed pretty much the whole chapter of Revelations, uh, Revelation. And once we will be finished uh, uh, that day, we talked a little bit about the description of Jesus. Uh, it talked, it describes with the white hair, uh, the wool, like wool. Talked about the burnished feet, and I shared that. You know, God, we don't want to humanize God. God is not human. He does like him in the spirit, being image of God is not so much talking about our body or how we look on the outside. Um, we have the revelation in order to understand the book of Revelation that you must uh, pray and seek the Holy Spirit when in reading uh, the book of Revelation. Many don't read the book because they say that, you know, it's scary to them or it is very confusing 
to them. But Revelations 1 and 3, it says to read this word. It says to even read this in the church. And that those who read it, to hear the, the prophecy, would be blessed by following what the prophecy said and that Jesus soon return and uh, said we need to need to learn how to read the book of Revelation with the spiritual guidance of the Holy Spirit. You don't just take anybody's word for anything, but you get into the word of God for yourself and you allow the Holy Spirit to teach you as well because the Holy Spirit standing is always better than man's understanding. So that's where I can take you. We're going to go ahead and we're going to where we left off on yesterday and we were talking about the seven stars and the seven uh, candlesticks or the seven lampstands. And we're going to go ahead and start there. But before we do, Uh, Go there, we want to open up in prayer. Father God, we just thank you right now. We glorify you for everything that you are doing in our lives. We appreciate you, Lord. We appreciate your loving kindness. We appreciate on how you lead us and guide us into your word of truth. We thank you, Father God, for uh, fellowship and relationship with you, for being able to build a strong relationship uh, to you. We thank you, Father God, for your healing power. We thank you for your delivering power, oh God. We thank you, Father God, for just uh, waking us up today and seeing us safely throughout the day because someone did not wake up this morning and someone maybe woke up and did not make it this far on this day. Lord God, everyone that, that is sick and shut in that needs uh, attention, your healing attention, I pray, Father God, that you will be in their various rooms or wherever they are and that you will touch their bodies or touch their minds. Father God, give them the strength, Father God, that they need. Whatever it is that the doctor has said, Father God, give them an assurance in their spirit, Father God, that all they have to do is speak the word of God over that situation and trust and believe you and receive their healing and it will be so. And, Father, we just thank you for everyone that's going through a financial crisis, Father God, everyone that may be going through something in their family, Father God, something uh, between husbands and wives, Father God. I pray that you handle every situation. Lord God, we lift each and every one up to you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord God, I pray that you will bless, oh God, this message today. Father God, give the, uh, give your people clarity and understanding on what they're about to receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. We are in Revelation chapter 1. And we're going to be going down to about, uh, round by uh, Revelation 1 and looking at verse 12 where it says, and I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Now John turned to see the voice, and when he did, he saw 
the seven golden candlesticks. Now, we know that gold represents the divine glory, the divine glory, and the candlesticks, the candlesticks, I'm sorry, represents the seven churches, and you can find that in verse 20. Um, now, the church will lose their candlesticks when their divine authority and heavenly recognition are withdrawn. Um, that's Revelations 2 and 5. The uh, Jesus' churches belong to him, and the candlestick or the lampstand is symbolic of the Lord's church. The church is the carrier of the light, the upholder and the defender of the light. It is the congregation's duty and privilege not to hide their light up under worship. A witness. We are to let our light so shine that men might see our good works and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. Uh, sometimes in the church, we're in the midst of conflict and woe, but the Son of God, Jesus Christ Himself, is in the midst of the church. The churches were during that time, darkness of sin and error but the light of the world enabled them to serve as candlesticks. There are times in our churches today, and also knowing that we are individual churches, that um, we have some darkness in us. We have sin and some error in us. But knowing that we have Christ in us, that light that's in him begins to shine in us, we can become or those glowing candlesticks that we are to be. Jesus wants us, he comes, he wants us to be full of light, us to be ready. He wants us, he, he does not want to have to wait on us to get ready. This whole teaching is about being ready so by the time that Jesus comes back, that we are ready to go to heaven, we are ready to stand before the judgment seat, and we are ready to receive our rewards, and then we are ready to be connected and married to Christ as the bride, which is the church. Now, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 13, and it says, And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, Jesus promises to be with his church, and he walks amongst his churches. Do not believe that in the true churches. There are some churches that are up that are not really up in Jesus' name, that are not up uh, walking according to the way that he told us to walk. There are some churches that are doing their own thing, but those churches that Jesus is walking in the midst of, he's not going to allow us to do please and say what we want. Act the way that, that, that we think that we be acting. Uh, this person that John saw, which is, was clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the path or his chest, with a golden girdle or a golden sash. He wore priest garments 
as we find in Exodus 28 and 2. In the midst of the golden sand, John saw one like unto the Son of Man. Though divine, he is also human. He saw Jesus Christ. He remembered when Jesus' clothing had been stripped when he was crucified. But time, hallelujah. This time when John saw him, he saw him in his dignity and in his glory, hallelujah, robed with garments down to his feet. The robe signified his role as the great high priest. He was also girded across his chest with a golden girdle or sash, signifying Jesus' divine justice and his judgment. Now, John remembered Jesus from when he was on the earth the first time, when he came as the Lamb of God, when he came to bring freedom and salvation to mankind. But now he is seeing Jesus in a whole new different way as the high priest, as the almighty God, as the king of kings and the Lord of lords, dressed in his priestly robe, hallelujah, letting you know that he was coming back with divine justice, hallelujah, and glory be to God. Now, this is how the person of Christ brought. Now, we wanted this, we want to compare this uh, to uh, compare this to the book of Daniel in Daniel 7, verse 9. Now, it says, I watched, this is in Daniel 7 and 9, I watched the thrones were and the ancient of days, oh my God, sat down to judge. His clothing were white and his hair like the whitest wool. And he sat upon a fiery throne in on wheels. Oh, my God, that is, I can't even imagine that. I can't even make sense of that in my own mind, how powerful, how anointed, how how sovereign God really is. And now we look at this and we compare this to what John saw. The Ancient of Days in Daniel's vision is the same as the Son of Man in John's vision. The same attribute, attributes uh, which are applied to the Father are applied to the Son, which proves Jesus' deity, that he truly is God. Verses tell us that Jesus is not the Lamb of God anymore. He is the coming lion, hallelujah, the lion of Judah. Glory be to God. He has a appearance here. Hallelujah. He's coming back in all of majesty. He's coming back as the commander, hallelujah, as the commander in chief. Ephesians 1 and 14 and his head and his were white like wool, as white as snow. Now, white hair represents wisdom, maturity, purity. His eyes were as a flame of fire, indicating his omniscience, all 
seeing. He knows everything about his church. Think that God doesn't know everything about you. Don't think that Jesus doesn't know everything about your church where you go. He, nothing is, there is nothing that Jesus does not know about his church. Nothing is hidden from him. He sees through all of the facade, and he knows every deed, whether good or bad. In his eyes are love as well as anger towards sin and judgment. Looking at Jesus' glory with our mortal eyes would burn them out of our heads. If you look at, um, what is it, Exodus chapter 33, verses 20, verses 20 through 23, that's Exodus 33, 20 through 23, this is when um, Moses is talking to God and he asks God, can he see him? And God him, God tells him, yes, you will be, you can see me. He said, but you cannot see my face. You cannot see my glory because no man can look upon my face and live. He said, but what I do for you, he said, walk past you, holly, to put you in a cleft up on, up on top of a mountain. He said, and then I'm going to put my hand glory to God. I'm going to put my hand over that cleft. And when I walk past, hallelujah, he said that I will take my hand, my hand down as I walk past, and then you can see me from my backside. Glory be to God. How majestic must that have been? To not even be able to look at God's glory, how powerful of a being. I can imagine the world probably shook just a little bit. I can also imagine everything got quiet, glory to God, because of the presence that God himself, not his presence, but he himself was here on the earth that he created. What a powerful, powerful God that we serve. Hallelujah. Revelations chapter 1 and 15, and it says, His feet were like unto brass, as if they were burned in a furnace. This represents the omnipotence, omnipotent God, the all-powerful God. The description of his brass feet indicates judgment and Fire is symbolic of God's presence. The furnace indicates how thorough and final judgment will be. At the great white throne judgment, when God, uh, when Jesus, when he um, judges the world, there's no there's gonna not gonna be any mercy, there's not gonna be any pleading, there's not gonna be God, I'm sorry. That is going to work. His judgment will be final and it will be thorough. All what's gonna happen is they're gonna bring out not the book, but the books. And each book is gonna contain certain parts of your life if you're not saved. If you are born you will, as we've already discussed, 
we will go through the Bema Seat judgment, which is also final. It means that nothing, that, that we can never leave the presence of God. We will forever be with him. He not only knows our deeds, but will judge them. He will, uh, he will uh, judge the also of the unbelieving. For the church, Jesus knows everything that you're doing, every lie that you've told, every every uh, uh, sin committed, of fornication, of adultery, of gossip, of, of, of overindulgence, of, of thinking about yourself, of not having faith and trust in God, worrying about things when you should be trusting in God. All kinds of things that are considered uh, sin, God knows, Jesus knows everything. We can't hide anything. It is at this time that we just say, you know, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I committed a sin. I don't want to live like this. I don't want to be like this. I don't want to walk in sin because my sin nature is no more. I destroy this. I give this to you, Lord. Forgive me and repent and turn away from that sin and never anymore. Just like he told the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, he told her, he said, where are thine accusers? The woman says, I don't know. I don't see them, Lord. And Jesus said, "He, he those that were accusing her and condemning her, and uh, Jesus looked in her, at her and he said, I don't condemn you either. He said, go and sin no more. Jesus just wants us to repent, to get things right, to do things in the godly way. Uh, his voice was the sound of many waters. Uh, sometimes waters are loud and crushing. Sometimes waters are soft and peaceful. It just depends on how God wants to speak. Speaking in a powerful way that that it was it was noisy and it was like uh, like the waves crashing up against the rocks and 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 it was crushing because this sound of this voice it had many waters and this is suggesting uh, his his authority and his sovereignness uh, meaning supreme power supreme authority supreme ruler, the supreme God was talking. The ancient days was talking. The creator of uh, the creator of this earth was talking. And God wanted to make sure that everything that he was, that everything that he told, everything that he told John, that John would understand and that John would write it down. And then in verse 16 of Revelation 1, he had in his right hand seven stars. John also saw seven stars. The seven stars were in the the seven stars were in the right of Jesus, a place of strength and protection. It denotes honor. It denotes authority. It denotes protection. It denotes privilege and blessing and even fellowship. Here, later in verse 20, the seven angels 
meaning the seven messengers of the seven churches of Asia. Jesus has a very close relationship with the pastors of his church. He holds them in his hand, but he also holds us. He holds pastors accountable that they feed the sheep, that they don't hurt or harm the sheep, but that they take care of the sheep, that they do things according to how Jesus takes care of his church. So he holds them in his own hand. He protects them, and he loves them instantly, personally. Word of God, the two-edged sword and could be used defensively or it can be used um, offensive. Um, it being two-edged means cut. Compared with Isaiah, compared with Isaiah, compared with, so compared with the word of God is a sure doctrine against Europe. God's word is a good, uh, a great doctrine against error. We want to make sure that we're teaching and teaching the word of God without error, which might work its way into the church. And his countenance was as a, as the sun shining in its strength. The countenance of the Son of Man, Jesus, as the sun shining in all of his strength and glory, revealing his divine glory and his power. There is power in the word of God. There's power in God's word. When you teach and preaching to your people, pastors, make sure you have really spent time with God and that you're not leading your people astray, but that you're leading them into the truth. Don't make it about yourselves, but make it about, I mean, about Christ. Make it about yourselves, but make it about Christ. What happens is, is when we begin to make it about us, that is people begin to do pastor worship. And, well, my pastor said this, my pastor said that, and it begins to become about the pastor and not about God himself, not about Jesus Christ. We are the church. We are his church. And our allegiance and everything that we do, it toward Christ. We are to be married to Jesus. We are the bride. And so bride faith and loves uh, her, 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 her husband. And so this is what Jesus is telling us to submit to him, and not only for us to submit to him, but he in return will submit and love us. Hallelujah. Now, what was John told? Um, verse 17 of Revelation 1, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Now, fear fear is portrayed here um, 
when we stand before the Lord, we stand before him in awe. So John fell just as though he were dead. It was so awe-inspiring what he saw, the things that he saw, the things that he heard, the things that he was told. It, it, it was just, it was unbelievable to him. And so it was awe. He saw awe. He was just, he, he was just stricken with awe by the vision that he had seen. Now, the realization was that he was in the presence of the Lord. Uh, he wasn't, he had spent so much time with Jesus, but he spent time with Jesus, who at that time was the son of man, who was human. He was also God, but he was also human. But now he is seeing Jesus in his true form, in his true uh, uh uh, look the way Jesus really is today, and it says, and He laid His right hand upon me, saying unto me, "Fear not." God says to fear not. He in He He is indeed the eternal strength. He says, "I am the first and the last." The reason John did not need to fear was because Jesus is the first and the last. This title comes from Isaiah 44 and 6 and affirms the deity of Christ that Jesus God manifested in the flesh. So again, he, he identifies himself as one without beginning, as one without beginning and in the eternal God. Revelations 18, he says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Again, he identifies himself as one that lives and that was dead. He became a man he became a man and died on the cross of Calvary. He did so to pay the penalty for our sins. Yet he is alive forevermore. He rose from the dead on the third day and never to be subject to death again. That's Romans 6 and 9. And we join him saying amen. The amen is one of the titles. Amen means the truth, that Jesus is the truth, and so be it, and have the keys of hell and of Alone has the keys of hell, and keys symbolize entry. It symbolizes authority. Jesus entered unto death and conquered it. He is the victor over death and the grave. He has authority over death and hell. He can open and admit people, or he can restrict assets, and he can restrict access and admission. Should we fear when we have such a victorious and powerful Savior in our life? Jesus is, I mean, the things that he is, the things that he represents, who he is, and he is such a powerful, powerful being, but he is such a loving being as well. He loves us so much. He has waited over 2019 years 
and and still giving mankind a, a, a reason to um, he's still giving us a chance, I should say, not a reason, but giving us a chance to discover uh, he before he comes back in the rest, before he comes back uh, in the uh, in the second coming. He's giving us opportunity still to get lives him. He's still waiting on you. He's still saying, look, I love you. I do have the keys to, to death, hell, and the grave. I have those keys. I don't want you. I did not make hell for you. I made it for Satan, his angels. But he did not. He does not want to send anybody to hell. We send ourselves because we don't take heed to what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. Revelations 1 and 19 says, write, he tells us, he says, write. The command to write was was first given in uh, verse 11. The command here enlarges upon the previous and provides a threefold provision uh, for the book of Revelations, meaning the past, the present, and the future. We learn about the past of Jesus, read in the synoptic gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and in the book of we we're we're learning about Jesus now here in the present through the word of God and watching him work through the Holy Spirit. But we're also being shown in the book of Revelation of what will take place, what will take place in the future. Now there are some that say that the book of Revelation has nothing to do with prophecy and that this stuff has already happened. Um Certain portions of of the Book of Revelations have already happened um, before uh, after Jesus left uh, in his ascension in book in in uh, Acts chapter one. But these things here have not yet taken place. We are seeing them. We are seeing certain parts of the prophecy taking place already, as in Matthew twenty four. And 25, we are seeing certain things already beginning to happen, um, but we have not seen it all. But for those of us that are saved, we won't see any of the tribulation period, although there are some people that say that we will go through the first three and a half years. Um, you have the post-tribulation, which uh, many of the church believes. Uh, that is, before the tribulation period hits, the rapture will take place. You have those who believe in the mid-tribulation that we will go through uh, the first three and a half years of the tribulation. But the scripture itself, it does not, you can't really find scripture that that says that, yes, that's true. And uh, then there are others that believe in the post-tribulation that you go through the whole tribulation, but why would God punish his bride along with the sinners when the bride, when the church has made herself ready, when the church has done nothing but love on God, on love on Christ, when the church has been obedient? I told you that when Jesus 
he said when he he said in um John chapter fourteen verses one through three that he goes to prepare a place for us. And that shows that the bridegroom has left to go to prepare for the bride. And he said that when he comes back, that he was coming back for his bride. And so he's taking the bride. The one thing that Jesus does for his bride is he loves his bride, and he will always protect his bride. Revelations chapter 3 and verse 10 says that I will not allow you because you have endured, because you have, have been obedient because you you have followed after me. I will not allow these things to come on on you that's going to come on the world to try the world. So the pre-tribulation makes the most sense. But we can read the book of Revelations now, and we can ask the Holy Spirit to teach us and guide us on what the book means. And then we can ask the Holy Spirit Spirit um, to show us uh, so that we can go out and teach others so that they too don't have to go through the tribulation. Jesus has given us our, um, our assignment. Our assignment is to go to the highways and the byways and the hedges and compel men and women uh, and tell them about Jesus and how he died on the cross for us to disciple these people, to train them, uh, to make duplication, uh, as did uh, Jesus with the 12 disciples. And then the disciples went out and they did what Jesus taught them to do. And it all started with Jesus in training 12 men. And each of those 12 men went out and got more followers. And then the church church, uh, came to pass and the church began to grow. And now there are millions and millions of people today that worship and serve Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but there are just as equal as many of people who do not serve him, who don't want to hear about him, who don't believe in him, who say, well, how can a God who is so loving uh, send me to hell? But God is giving us all kinds of chances He's telling us every day. He's showing us through signs and wonders. He's showing us through his word what we need to do in order to to save mankind. And so it is up to you, brothers and sisters. It's up to you, pastors. It's up to you, leaders, on what we need to do to win our uh, to win this work for Jesus Christ. And so the mystery of the seven stars, which thou saw it in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, seven candlesticks, which thou saw are the seven churches. The mystery is explained. This final verse establishes the meaning of the seven stars and the seven candlesticks. Jesus says that the seven stars, are the seven angels of the seven churches or the pastors of the seven churches. Jesus has a personal relationship with his churches. He walks amongst them. He knows them well. He is concerned about what goes on in them. He holds the pastors closely. He sees our needs, our failures, and our successes. 
At the close of chapter 1, we see Jesus in his glorified state, standing in the midst of the churches, the candlesticks. This picture of Jesus one of the un, is one of unlimited power and control over all that occurs in heaven and on earth and is deeply concerned about about the well-being about the well-being of his churches and each individual believer trust me god knows everything about you today he is in the midst of his churches tomorrow he may return for his church we don't know but would you be ready if he does it offends some people when we say not all churches are true churches. Issue is too important to avoid. The Lord promised to be with his churches, not with irregular scriptural churches, but churches that follow and obey his word to the fullest. My question today to you is what church are you? What type of church are you? Are you giving your all to God, or are you just playing around with the church? Are you just playing around being a Christian? Have you totally, totally submitted your life? The scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, which is Jesus Christ, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We all know that scripture. That's John 3.16. This means that salvation with a complete life, this this means our, our salvation with a complete purpose and abundance, meaning plentiful or large quantity. Even though, even through tough times, we're going to have to learn how to depend on God. Even though we have life abundance, even though uh, uh, it, it, we're prosperous, the scripture tells us that we're prosperous, there are going to be days that you're going to feel like you're not prosperous. There are going to be days that you feel like, you know, I don't see any quantity or I don't see much purpose or plentifulness in, our, in my life. This is the time that you have to learn how to trust and believe God for whatever situation you are going through. The Bible says all the promises of God are yes. If it's a promise to you, if it's a promise, it's yours. You don't have to ask for it. You don't have to beg for it. All you have to do is receive it. Now, there are many of us that that hopefully during through, throughout this time uh we'll go back on you you'll send somebody on this um this site this particular page of mine here on blogtalkradio.com and maybe they don't know Jesus maybe they've never given their lives to the Lord but the scripture says when we were sinners we could not get from God what we uh, the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 6.23. Sin is death, spiritual death. It means that we are separate from God. When you have sin in your life, you are not connected to God in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Some people will say, well, 
you know, but we're all God's children. No, we're not all God's children. We are, though, all of God's creation. We become a child of God when we give our lives to him. Um, It is Christ that brings us to God. You cannot receive, uh, you cannot be saved any other way unless you go through Jesus. Uh, You have to to believe on him. You have to trust in him. You have to ask him to forgive you for your sins. Uh, God was, God's love has been, has been demonstrated to us uh, through his son, Jesus. The scripture says that while we were yet sinners, the scripture says that Jesus died for our sins. That's Romans 5 and 8. After Jesus died, he arose from the grave and he still lives today. The only way we can be saved or get to the Father, as I said before, is through Jesus Christ, through his gift of salvation. Salvation is what we do is we just ask Jesus. We accept him. We uh, admit that we are a sinner. We believe that Christ died for our sins. We ask him for forgiveness, and we turn from our sins, repenting of our sins. If you've never done this, if you've never given your life life to Christ, this is the day that you can know that you can be saved. You can give your life today, right now. No matter what you've done, Jesus will give you. No matter what happened or what has happened in your life, if your heart if you have the right attitude in your heart and you really want to accept this Jesus, everything that I've been sharing with you in this uh, teaching of eschatology in the end times, it's all still all about accepting Jesus Christ. As I said earlier, hell was not prepared for you. Hell is a place of torment. And I know you're probably going to tune me out because people say nobody talks about hell evangelists. What is wrong with you? But hell is a real place. And I would not be a good minister or a good preacher if I just let you just believe that the moment you accept Christ that everything is hunky-dory and everything is great and you'll never have any problems and nothing will ever, ever bad happen to you again and you'll be prosperous and you can get a house and a car, you can receive those things. But there are other things also that uh, if you don't receive Jesus Christ, hell does await you and that is not where God wants you to go. God wants you to be with him. Because the moment that you do give your life to Jesus Christ, Satan will have lost another uh, vessel. And then once you give your life to Christ, he will turn on you. He will try to come against you in several different kinds of ways. But you have no need to worry because Jesus will always be there for you. And so I'm going to say to you today, 
if you want Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want you to pray with me, and um, you can repeat after me. I want you to do this from your heart. If this is something that you really want to do, if you want to live for God and you want to give him your life, I want you to pray this prayer. Pray it in faith. Just pray it in faith and believe that Jesus died on the cross too. And repeat this prayer after me in faith, and you will be saved. And I guarantee that. Hallelujah. So pray with me. Dear God, I know that I am a sinner. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me and my sins. I believe you raised him from the dead to life. I will trust him as my Savior. I will follow him as my Lord from this day forward. Guide my life and help me to do your will. Come into my life, Jesus. Save me. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, if you did pray that prayer and you believe that what you prayed has uh, was real and it came from your heart and you believe God and you want to change your life forever, then you prayed that prayer, you prayed it in faith. You are a newborn babe in Christ. And what I would say to you is find you a good Bible-believing church. Um, Go and sit and talk with a pastor. Um, uh, go to their Bible study. Um, you can even email me at um, a word from God seven at gmail dot com, and I can try to help you to find a church in your area, one that's a, a good Bible believing, a Bible teaching church, so that you can grow and mature and be everything in Christ that you want to be. Well, I see that it is time to go. Glory be to God. I mean, this hour just really kind kind of goes by so quickly. But um, I pray that you enjoyed uh, what you heard on today. I pray that it was a blessing. I pray, I pray that it encouraged you. I would say that before we leave the broadcast, that you will email me at a word from God seven at gmail.com. That's a word from God seven at gmail.com. Please reach out to us for any contact information about speaking engagement or prayer requests or biblical questions or donation. Hallelujah. I want to say thank you for tuning in to A Word from God on blogtalkradio.com. I am your radio hostess, Evangelist Rebecca Collier Hagler, saying thank you for joining us today. And may God richly bless all of your endeavors for him. Until next time, have a joyous and a blessed day. God bless you, and I love you.
Thank <laughs> you. 